Hi, and welcome to Candidate. I'm Devin Handy, your host. Normally, I host Hellbent Podcast, a feminist news and politics show, but I've teamed up with Emily's List to bring you this show, Candidate, real conversations with women running for office. And I'm excited about this week because... The, the theme for this week is the future is female, and it is focusing specifically on Michigan and the fact that statewide they have an all-female ticket. So today we get to talk to two of those women from that ticket, the wonderful Gretchen Whitmer, who's running for governor, and Jocelyn Benson, who's running for secretary of state. And I was really excited. I'm originally from Michigan, and my family lives in Michigan, and I... I wouldn't have pegged Michigan to be the state that had the first all-female ticket, but it it really makes perfect sense. And in speaking to both of these women, what I found so fascinating, what I found fascinating about this entire process is that a lot of times these candidacies aren't about being women or about the first female ticket. It's about the issues that they care about. Gretchen Whitmer is the fix the damn roads lady and, and... Jocelyn Benson just really wants to make democracy work smoother. So it's been so fascinating to see all of these women and talk to them about this historic number of women running and getting elected. And they still just wanted to talk about the issues, which I, I thought was very heartening. So both of these women are just wonderful, wonderful candidates who have big ideas and really the drive and the passion for getting them done. So it was also really great uh, to speak. Like I said, I'm from Michigan. Speaking to women from Michigan reminded me of my own family. So I I hope that you really enjoy these interviews as much as I, I enjoyed getting them. They are they are going to make great leaders in the great state of Michigan. Our guest today is Gretchen Whitmer, who is running for the governor of Michigan. We are very lucky to have her. So thank you, Gretchen, for joining us. I'm so glad to be with you. Thank you. So what I really, what I want to start with is there has been a lot of coverage of the fact that Michigan is running an all-female ticket for statewide positions. So can you tell us, tell us what that means? Which positions are they referring to? Well, it's it's actually an amazing thing. So our United States Senator is Debbie Stabenow. She is up for re-election. I, am, I just secured the Democratic nomination uh, in August, so I am the candidate for governor. The Secretary of State is a woman named Jocelyn Benson, and our Attorney General is a woman named Dana Nessel, who would be the first openly gay woman elected statewide. So this is um, a, a banner year for a lot of reasons. It's exciting. Yeah. And it it does feel very revolutionary. And I guess maybe I, I there's kind of two parts here. So the first is, as I, I feel like a lot of people, or at least I, I'm in Los Angeles, a lot of people that I know would be surprised that it's Michigan that's running an all-female ticket. Michigan is some, especially recently seen as more conservative and it went to Trump. Has that been your experience with Michigan? You know, it's been amazing to me that um, we are like at the front of, I think, a changing environment that's happening across the country. And Michigan tends to pick presidents. You know, we're usually on the right side of a presidential election. And that's why when I saw Michigan go with Trump, I knew I needed to get organized quickly. But a lot of what we see across the country often seems to happen in Michigan early on. And I think that's what's happening here. Women are running 
women are coming out and voting in droves, and we are changing uh, the dynamic, the conversation, and we'll be changing the decision-making soon, too. So did you decide to run after Trump won, or is this something you've kind of been thinking about for a while? Well, I guess two years is a long well, time, but it would, was that something you wanted to do before that happened? You know, I, I served in the legislature, and I didn't think I'd run again, but the Flint water crisis became public, the magnitude of it, and it was heartbreaking and maddening, and I looked around at the environment, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to run and fix this. I'm so unhappy with the DeVos family making the decisions on education in our country, but they've been doing it in Michigan for 25 years. And so I think it was those two things. As a mom, I couldn't stand to see uh, my kids' schools fall into the bottom 10 in our country, and I couldn't stand to see the people of Flint be failed so miserably by a government that's supposed to be protecting us. Yeah, and and the Flint water crisis in particular has been going on for a number of years now, and there doesn't seem to be an end or even a real solution in place. Is there something that you have or that your team like your team has that you'd want to put in place after you're elected? Absolutely, I got to tell you, I was in Flint a couple weeks ago, and I was in church and talking to a woman who has you know a number of children who. Um, break out every time she puts them in the bath. And she pulled up her sleeve and showed me her arm, which was had a raging rash on it from showering that morning before church. The crisis is not over, and that's why I'm going to start uh, providing bottled water again for the people of Flint and expedite the process of replacing pipes and create a restricted fund for the support and wraparound services for the kids of Flint 8,000 children brushed their teeth with water that had lead in it for two and a half years before anyone even acknowledged it. And it's heartbreaking, unconscionable, and at the top of my list of things I'm going to do as governor. And are, you know, you've said that you have really made an effort. You traveled to all 83 counties in Michigan. You've made an effort to really connect with the people of Michigan and your constituents. And have you felt that you have you had a, a a good reception or have you had pushback because you're a woman because you're part of this all-female ticket or or you know anything on that vein the same thing was when i jumped in the race they didn't think 2018 would be a good year for women <laughs> and, you know we we had a female governor we've already done that or hillary clinton didn't win michigan so it must be a, about women aren't aren't good candidates and you know, I had to grit my teeth and just do the work. And in the face of all of that, I think now the people that used to say that are, are you know, biting their tongue, obviously, because they couldn't have been more wrong. Uh, people are ready for change. And I think women lead in a different way. We lead on different issues than men do. And we are at the forefront of the change that's happening in our country. And it's it's happening here in Michigan, too. I never dreamed I would be the head of an all-female ticket but I'm awfully glad to have women who are, are high caliber, hardworking, and real on the ticket with me so we can get some things done. Well, you know, there's a, there was a piece in the Washington Post not too long ago about this. And a Democratic pollster, Celinda Lake, was quoted. And they said, 
Having so many female candidates on the ballot, quote, accentuates the advantages, but also the vulnerabilities. Women running for office are naturally presumed to be an antidote to the status quo, but they face lingering doubts, including whether they are temporarily they are temperamentally suited for office and whether they are as competent as men at handling the economy. So why is that a statement that is made in a major news publication in 2018? What are these lingering doubts? And and have you experienced people who, even though now, you, you know, they're biting their tongue because it's the year of the woman, but but have you come across that at all? Yeah, I, I'm not seeing it. I'll tell you, I have been into all these counties. I have Republicans turning out, independents, people who didn't vote in the last election, who are turning out, who want someone who is just honest and hardworking like they are, who's going to get the job done. And I think um, it's gender plays a role, but it's not the sum total of people's consideration. Um, And I'll be honest with you, in my experience in politics, I was most often uh, the only woman in any given room of any leadership office that I held and top meetings that were happening. And I would say that I was probably one of the least emotional people in that room, too. (laughs) Yeah, that's always the case, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, next, you know, it was, <laughs> my my male counterparts would would lose their cool, and I think maybe it's because we we do have to be mindful of how everyone reads into our reactions. But right. um, I I've never uh, never been accused of that anyway. <laughs> Whenever someone says women are too emotional for the presidency, I just say, would you please look at Donald Trump's time li- Twitter twi- timeline? Because I don't I don't think you have a good grasp on what emotional means. <laughs> right. So, you know, there are a lot of things that get national attention and national spotlight. But what are some of the issues that are specific to Michigan that you feel are are critical or crucial there that don't get a lot of of, it, of national spotlight? Well, it's interesting. You know, I mean, obviously we're talking about women on the ticket, but the fact of the matter is all I talk about all day long and that I'm going to stay focused on as a candidate, but also as governor, are fixing the dinner table issues that families are confronting. Mm-hmm. You know, Michigan has been dealing with Betsy DeVos's education agenda a lot longer than the rest of the country. And where we used to be the envy of the world with great public schools, we're now in the bottom 10. In Michigan, home to 21% of the world's fresh water, we've got communities that cannot drink the water coming out of their tap. And we are the state that put everyone in the world in cars, and our roads are disintegrating. So these are the dinner table issues that families and business people alike across my state are focused on, and that's why all of a sudden I've become known as the fix the damn roads lady because that's uh, one of the most important plans I've thrown on the table is my infrastructure plan to fix the damn roads. Yeah, and I I always do think it's interesting. I mean, most of these issues are not necessarily – about gender, though there are other issues that definitely are more about maybe something like women's rights. And have you found that now, especially, you get asked more about those type of issues instead of these fix the damn road issues? You know, not really. It's interesting. You know, women's issues, certainly there are unique issues to us, whether it's pay equity or it's access to contraception or it's about autonomy of our bodies. Um, but there are issues that women care about just like men do. Uh, making making a, a good wage, a path to a, a skill that you can you know, raise a family on and, and make a good living on. The cleanliness of the water coming out of your tap or 
ensuring every one of our kids, boys and girls, have good education. So that's where I think we all find our common ground and where our government's failing us right now. And uh, I just want to ask one more question about Betsy DeVos, because I always joke, and it's not funny, but I consider her to be my personal arch nemesis in the spy movie that plays in my head. And uh-huh. <laughs> and like you said, Michigan... Well, we have that in common. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Betsy DeVos, you said, it has been messing with Michigan for a lot long, longer than she's been messing with the rest of us. What was her most damaging uh, policy or or push that she had in Michigan's education system? What what caused the public schools to drop and what was her part in that? Well, they've waged continuous attacks on educators, uh, whether it's their pay or their benefits, uh, packing class sizes. But the diversion of dollars out of our traditional public schools has been their, their goal overall. They tried to get vouchers passed and when they couldn't do it, they created this um, charter school movement in Michigan that 84% of our charters are for profit. Wow. The, the national wow. average is like 16%. And so they've dramatically changed the education funding dynamic in Michigan where traditional public schools are being starved of resources and often out-of-state companies are pocketing uh, profits off of our kids and, and all of them are, are failing the children that are they're supposed to be educating. Yeah, that's a really scary prospect that she's been sicked on all of us as it were um yeah yeah so and and last what has been sort of the most positive experience of of running this campaign and maybe being part of the all-female ticket or just what have you found that's that's really surprised you in a positive way about running for governor well every day i am meeting people uh learning about things that are happening in the state i've always called home and, you know, um, befriending people who really care about this state, who are doing amazing things, who are ready to roll up their sleeves and pitch in to make this a place where our kids stay and other people come to for opportunity again. And um, that's incredibly energizing. But the stories that I get to hear on the campaign trail are what, um, you know, energize me and keep me focused on, on why I'm doing this. There are tough days on the campaign trail. I tell people, Running for governor is not for wussies. That's so true. Every day, every day, there's something that happens that reminds me why I'm doing this, why I FaceTime with my daughters at night instead of looking them in the eye over dinner. Right. It's because we've got to get this right for our kids and our families in this state. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. Well, I, I have to say that uh, being from Michigan myself and having family there, I'm really excited that you're running for governor. And also, I mean, I... I I know it's kind of a cliche, but the like hardworking Midwestern charm is definitely alive and well in Michigan. So, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> but all right. Well, yeah, I thank you so much. I appreciate the work you do. And I'm so glad to be with you. Yes. Thank you so much, Gretchen, for, for being with us today. Have a wonderful night. Yes. Good luck on the campaign trail. Thank you. <laughs> Tell your parents and, and your family, you know. Oh, don't worry. 48 days. They've all heard from <laughs> <Okay>. me. <laughs> awesome. All right. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye. Our next guest today is Jocelyn Benson. She is running for Secretary of State in Michigan and is part of this all-female ticket. 
Well, what I really want to talk to you about is the fact that you're part of an all-female ticket uh, in for statewide elections in Michigan and how Michigan is changing. It's been a pretty reliably purple state and it went for Trump in the last election, but it, it's hard to sometimes tell where Michigan's head head is at, if that makes sense. Talk, about, talk a little bit about having this all-female ticket in a state that I don't know that a lot of people would expect to see that. I think I think what you see are you know a number of things. One, a lot of energy around uh, ensuring all voices are at the table uh, and heard at a time where there's a feeling that they are not. And at the same time, you just happen to have a, a really extraordinary woman in the U.S. Senate uh, who is you know Debbie Stabenow running. You, you have some. Uh, everyone has an individual reason for running this cycle, uh, whether it's Alyssa Slotkin or Haley Stevens or Gretchen Driscoll. Uh, the, you know, obviously, Gretchen Whitmer, myself, you know, we've all come at this in our own individual ways uh, and are very different in a lot of ways and have different experiences, uh, different skill sets that we bring to the table. The fact that we are all women is, is one aspect of our story as a ticket and as individuals. But it's, I think you know, there are so many differences between all of us and about all of us that, to me, uh, a side note to the right. you know agenda and goals that we all have as individuals for the state. Right. Well, and and so you're running for Secretary of State for Michigan. So can you yes. tell me about what drew you to that role in particular? What is it about being Secretary of State, um, and what are you hoping to change at that level? So the Secretary of State is the Chief Election Officer and the Chief Advocate for Drivers in the state of Michigan. And so uh, in, in that way, it interacts with more citizens than any other office in the state. And so there's a tremendous opportunity to really ensure that uh, citizens are, are being served effectively by their government uh, and to directly improve their lives, whether it's saving them time and the number of you know minutes that it takes them to get in and out of a branch office, saving them money by freezing vehicle fee increases or you know, working to protect their vote and their voice by making our democracy more convenient and accessible and secure. So I'm, I, as you may know, uh, I wrote a book on the Secretary of State office about 10 years ago where I documented how secretaries of state all around the country are the guardians of our democratic process. Uh, and uh, in, in, in doing so, found so many innovative ideas that secretaries of state are all, of all backgrounds are engaged in and doing. So part of my campaign is to bring that expertise and those ideas and innovations to our state while also running as someone who is a former dean of a law school uh, and has a track record running institutions successfully, cutting budget, doing more with less. So I'm, I'm eager to bring that skill set to, to Lansing as well. Uh, I don't come at this as as you know, a politician who's run for many offices is the only office that interests me and that, it, that I've run for because I just really see a lot of potential in this office and in the job of Secretary of State as one that can contribute to uh, re-energizing our state, modernizing our state, and making our democracy one where all voices are accepted. Right. Yeah, you don't, you don't hear a lot of, of people talk about the position of Secretary of State, especially, like you said, you wrote a book about it, and it, it's a very, a lot of people don't even know what a Secretary of State necessarily does. And so I think you're right, is they're kind of the protectors of democracy in, in the state. And as I like to say, in this country, a feature and a bug of our voting system is that it's very decentralized. So, um, I've, you mm -hmm. know, obviously that, that 
can be it can protect us. It's there's no central database to hack into, um, but it can also lead to kind of uneven application of, of voting rights and and voter suppression. Have there been any any uh, coordinated voter suppression tactics in Michigan that that you know of or, or that you're currently fighting against? I've been focused on making it easier to vote and harder to cheat. Michigan's one of just a handful of states that doesn't have access to mail-in voting. Uh, you can only vote absentee if you have a reason here. We don't have early voting. Uh, we, uh, you know, you're unable to register online. Uh, and so there's, I think, a need to modernize how we're running our elections, bring us up to speed for other states. Because the interesting thing is, you know, historically Michigan has been a leader for good elections. When Richard Austin was our Secretary of State, he led the way for motor voter, this idea that you should be able to register to vote when you get your license. So that was his idea. That was our our history, and we've really lost a lot of that leadership in the past 24 years since he held that office. So I'm running in a, in a sense to really restore our position nationally as a leader in democracy, and also at a time where the security of our elections are particularly urgent, uh, and we need to uh, you know do what we can to. Um, you know, bring forth the best ideas in uh, ensuring our elections are secure, our machines are accurately counting our ballots, our poll workers are prepared to secure our ballots, our voter registration lists are secure. My my vision is to is to really make our democracy one where we're we're advancing things. But but certainly you all can also see in other states where there are Secretary of State in Georgia blocking fifty three thousand voter registrations from being processed. We certainly often hear about the Secretary of State's office when there are tactics that will lead to people's voices being dampened or eligible voters being turned away. And I'm running to be a Secretary of State that will hopefully have the opposite impact on our democracy, ensuring everyone's voice is heard. Right. Absolutely. And I think to that point, a lot of this election cycle and a lot of the discussion has been about women and the power of women voting. And, and voting as a block. There have been any pushes for a get out the vote campaign and if that has really affected affected the the voting demographics of Michigan. Like you said, there's there's no mail in voting, there's no early voting, there's no on registration. So there's definitely some barriers there to to understanding how people are intending to vote. But in years past, has turnout been a problem? Is there a get out the vote? Is there, you know, kind of an effort there? And while we have seen turnout decrease in um, in the past several years here in Michigan, uh, but at the same time, I think there's a tremendous opportunity to, in modernize our elections, really turn that around and and ensure that more citizens, you know, are are using that powerful tool of of their vote in our democracy and, and exercising it. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to be a Secretary of State that's going to work every day to engage citizens from all backgrounds uh, in in ensuring that their government is one that listens to their voices and and is responsive to them and accountable to them and is transparent. And I think that's really the opportunity in this year's election to elect candidates all up and down the ticket who will be uh, more responsive to our citizens and ensure that we're we're doing everything we can so that they are engaged uh, and informed and uh, and see government as something is, that's working in tandem with and supporting their their work uh, as opposed to anything else I, I like I kind of mentioned at the at the top of the interview there is a split in in Michigan in terms of of voting obviously there's there's many universities there's college cities there's all these these sort of places. Um, I'm actually from Michi- Michigan or- originally, and my entire extended family is in Michigan, and, and I know how conservative it can also be. Um, 
have you seen in like a lot of enthusiasm for the Democratic Party and for your campaign in general as you've been campaigning? Is there uh, kind of an interest in um, in Democratic candidates? Well, I've built a broad-based coalition of support uh, for my campaign, having been going around the state for the past year, talking to voters in all 83 counties. And so I'm really proud that from business leaders to grassroots leaders to faith leaders uh, to communities of color, uh, we have support from that, that really runs the gamut from people who just want to see their government work better. Uh, and, and so that, that to me is the opportunity with this office to really take politics and partisanship out of the equation and make this about running a state agency well. And it's uh, running a state agency well that is engaged in administering our democracy. And, uh, to, which to me is, it requires independent leadership, um, innovative leadership. Uh, and, and that's really what our campaign is about. And, and certainly there has been a lot of enthusiasm for all, from all corners for that vision, for the idea that democracy should work for us, uh, be, uh, you know, uh, accessible and transparent and secure. Uh, and, uh, and so I'm proud that, that we've, you know, seen a lot of enthusiasm from all corners of the state, all, all people of all backgrounds, um, for this effort. And, you know, I think that's why we've earned the endorsement of every major newspaper in the state that's endorsed in this race. I think that it's time for us to kind of transcend traditional partisanship uh, at a time when our country is uniquely divided and elect leaders who can bring us together and be solution-oriented and data-driven in our leadership. Yeah, I, I actually, you, you said taking the partisanship out of this. And, and it is interesting because it feels like the Secretary of State would not be an inherently partisan position. You know, if you're if the mm-hmm. goal is to protect voting rights and and modernizing that process and protecting democracy, and it, it's odd that it, it's sort of run as a as a partisan position. I mean, do you feel mm-hmm. that it, this isn't inherently about Democrat versus Republican, but more about the ideas of the office to modernize something like the voting system and creating processes that make it easier to vote? Yeah, ideally that that is what it should be. It's an office that it should be above partisanship. Any aspect of, of election administration needs to be done with an eye towards what's best for all voters, not voters of a particular perspective. That's what democracy is about. And so I, I've seen voters in, in, in my work in this office for the past decade have seen that voters uh, want that. Uh, voters of both parties want that type of leadership, uh, not just in Lansing, but in other states as well. And so uh, I'm excited as there's more attention paid to these races. I think we'll see that viewpoint reflected more. And when you look at the most successful secretaries of state around the country, those who preside over state democracies with the highest turnout and the highest level of voter engagement and the highest security measures, they're all secretaries who um, who disregard partisanship, who are independent, uh, and who are focused on just doing the right thing uh, for all citizens. So that's the type of leader I'm going to be as secretary of state here in Michigan. Well, that that is that's wonderful, and I, I love this idea that it's sort of positioned that oddly partisan. It doesn't make a ton of sense. Well, Jocelyn, thank you so much for for sitting down and and clarifying. I know Secretary of State, like I said, is sort of a a lot of people don't necessarily know what the Secretary of State does, and so it can be a little yeah. bit confusing. Well, people can go to my website, votebenson.com, and read more about my vision and the vision for our office. And uh, it is an important office in every state uh, that where it oversees elections, about 36 states, uh, because it impacts all other offices. Our ability to vote in anything all determines on whether or not our democracy is accessible and secure. And so I'm, I'm proud to hopefully have the opportunity to do that work here in Michigan. Yeah, yeah. Well... 
good luck as we run up to the midterms. Thank We're you. so close. So, so good luck and, and uh, have a great day. Okay. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right, that is it for me. Thank you all so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed hearing these women and their positions and just how fantastic this this campaign has been. We are so, so close to midterms and uh, we're so close to the end of this show. I have enjoyed doing it so much, but stay tuned. We have two more episodes. We get to speak to a few more very smart women So don't forget to get out there and vote, get everyone to you know to vote, and we will be back here soon.